This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, hello again and welcome back to Shake Them Ropes. I am thankful for all of you. And actually, I am Chris Bruno. I'm joined once again, as always, not just by my cavalcade of dad jokes, but by Jeff Hawkins. Hi, Jeff. Wait, you've taken Andrew Rich's uh, gimmick? <laughs> well, I'm going on a show here in the next uh, few days. I was just getting ready with the dad jokes, prepping it up, loading it up here. I'm going to have another episode of Edit Talk a little later on after the show here. Uh, in this episode, we will be covering how to edit your friend to sound like they're laughing at your jokes so as to make you seem funnier. <laughs> so a little bit of an industry trick. Yeah, I think you guys might want to stay tuned for this. I am thankful that after 16 years... The University of Virginia has finally beaten their in-state rival, Virginia Tech. It has been a long drought. I thought gloom and doom. It is Friday. I am watching SmackDown as we record this. Sheamus is back, kids. Are you excited? Uh, yeah, so um, afterglow of NXT TakeOver, I think, I'm going to go into. Uh, we've kind of dropped our NWA power talk. Uh, I'm going to let me lay this on you, Chris, because I've I've said this a few times on this show, and I want to see if you agree. AEW matches are like watching a jam band in concert. Yeah, it, it's yeah, the bonnaroo of my, wrestling TV shows. Yeah, I, I maybe maybe that is what is not clicking with me more than anything is I have musical sensibilities that are like, how do we edit this song down to two minutes and 20 seconds or two (laughs) minutes or 30? Like I'm like, when I'm making my own music, I am sitting here and I have to justify pretty much every second beyond two minutes and 30 seconds. And I'm what I'm not saying is that wrestling matches need to be two minutes and 30 seconds. That'd be crazy. But what I am saying is that like, there's, if you were of the modality that like you need purposeful action, every section of a song has to have a purpose, you're going to have one length, generally, or one set of lengths, generally. Whereas if you're of the sense that, you know, you got to really let the song breathe for a couple of minutes in order for people to really feel the groove, you're going to have a different sense. And some people like feeling the groove of a wrestling match. And I think I am someone who likes a match like a song to have a beginning, middle and end and have it kind of be purposeful. You don't want three different endings and it lasting about eight minutes too long. Than it should be no like Godspeed. You black emperor conceptually does cool things sonically, but I don't sit down and listen to a full album of them ever. Nice string cheese incident, little government mule. <laughs> you know, I'm a big fan of traffic. So, I mean, I, I like it, but it's just, it's like, man, Every match you watch, it's like, God, they couldn't, couldn't. I think they missed the ending and they're trying to get around to it occasionally. I mean, I look, I still love the There's energy. a place for like bands like Can, right? Yeah. I, I mean, if, we, if we're going to get esoteric here, a little, little Can Tago Mago. I have no, no idea who a good Can album. is, to be honest with you. Oh, check, check them out. Check them out after the show. I think I think you will dig this. Um, this is a good band. but And they jam. Like, they, they're, they're, their thing is like, and it is, the jam is the thing. It, that, that's kind of the point. Uh, it's like with a guitar solo. When I was younger, 
I, I was showing a friend of mine my cuts from like, you know, six, seven years ago. Everyone in my guitar solos was too long and was very much in the vein of, I wanted to show you how great of a guitar player I am. And, and I wanted to showcase the best licks that I had at the moment. And there was usually at least one or two licks too many, or we went on for four to eight measures too long in every one of those solos. And... and now I think much more in a kind of economical, sectional sort of thing. You don't need to show off everything. You want to have something to bring them back into the next song. You want to have something for the next track that you're going to do because, you know, you, you have so many licks and you don't want to blow them all in the one solo. I, I think that there's something analogous to wrestling in there. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, WWE main roster is kind of in a belated silly season right now. We're going to be getting all the buildups to TLC which is a throwaway pay-per-view, to be honest with you. It's going to be a lot of garbage matches. Um, and it's basically holding period until they have to start building the Royal Rumble. Uh, basically, NXT, basically, NXT was there for the ratings, and that's what they've been going for lately. But they're going to be in a bit of a cooling down period for a little while, I think. Maybe not so much on television, but their next big show is in February in Portland. You have NXT UK, which isn't doing their next takeover until late January, but they're starting to build their thing. So we're kind of in a, as we like to say, they're moving pieces on the board, so to speak. It's not that, you know, the television's not going to be good. It's just not going to have a lot of big time noteworthy things, in my opinion, unless we find something that we weren't expecting. Like last year, I believe it was the, triple threat between Charlotte, Asuka, and Becky that really kind of, you know, made us go, whoa, okay, we weren't kind of expecting that necessarily. But yeah, this is this can be a little bit of a sneaky surprise season because there is they try one year they where try things at TLC, TLC one year they did a match between the big show and Daniel Bryan that was far better than it had any business being. Like, that was a match that I think most people, I mean, the outcome was sort of a foregone conclusion. You knew the big show was not going away with the title, but that was a very good match. That was a sneaky good match. I think the other thing we can get lulled into a sense of, oh, nothing's really happening right now, is that it's not necessarily about title changes, although I suspect there will at least be some sort of title reapportioning with the Undisputed Era. They're going to have to do something kind of creative, uh, given the injuries to Bobby Fish. But but it's going to be less in the form of title changes and more the form of character changes. So what you're seeing with Dakota Kai, and like this is the time of year where... You do see, you were calling it pieces moving on the board. I think that's a good way of putting it, but also character changes. Remember Daniel Wyatt? This is when that angle started, actually. Seth this Rollins looks to be turning heel from Monday's Yeah, round. I think that that's accurate. Yeah. But uh, let's do a little news, and then uh, and then we'll uh, get into a little wrap-up, because I want to talk about just the perfection that was the women's war games uh, angle from beginning to end. Uh, cause we have to give credit when we criticize as well. Um, Mauro Ronaldo was not on the survivor series broadcast, uh, mean tweets by Corey Graves. Uh, he was also was not on Wednesdays, um, NXT broadcast as well. Tom Phillips filling him in for him there. I am starting to think this is now the second time something like this has happened with Mauro's bipolar, uh, disorder. And while being respectful of that, I could see a situation where WWE just decides 
We can't have this. Now, I understand if Mara wants out completely because, look, WWE is, is, for a wrestling company, it's an abusive situation already. I grew up when it was nothing but scumbags in the wrestling business, and most of those are holdovers from that time anyways. I just don't see any... I mean, I'm sure Morrow enjoys his job. I'm sure he enjoys NXT. But there's got to be lots of little things that are, like, mildly triggering. Just like, for example, characterizations. We were talking about... This is unrelated to Morrow, but, like, two or three weeks ago on one of these shows, we were talking about... I forget who was even being characterized, but it was all about them being unstable and them being, you know, kind of crazy. Was it Daniel Bryan, Daniel maybe? Bryan. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's your main event angle on SmackDown right now, and it's really kind of fetishizing mental instability in a way that I don't think Moro and all would ever fetishize. Yeah, I, I just, it's one of those things where it's kind of obvious to me that Moro needs free reign to be himself quite a bit and especially when he was on the main roster and he just had he had people in his ear yelling at him he had co-workers yelling at him yeah, i was gonna say jbl i think was probably one of the bigger culprits with that from my understanding but i i you know if if he were to get his release and go to aew and possibly replace jim ross i don't think that would be the worst thing in the world because i don't think you know i think you know, for all of and Morrow does have some faults as an announcer. I mean, don't get me wrong. And no, 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 no. I, I want this because the same people who have been very eager to identify all of the faults in Morrow Ronaldo would be singing a very, very different tune if all of a sudden he was working for their favorite wrestling promotion. So I actually kind of want this paradigm. Aunt Pam and Sasha are out in the ring. I'm kind of intrigued by this. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm recording this while SmackDown is going on, so that's why how I know Seamus is. Playing. Yeah, he's watching TV instead of listening I'm to listening his to old you. friend Novembrino. No, yeah. I, I know. It's just it's one of those things where My I just think breaking. I think I think Morrow's kind. Of, I mean, Tom Phillips wouldn't be the worst. He was pretty good this week. I thought. I mean, it's just one of those things where I don't want to be overly critical of Morrow's condition. And at the same time, I know that it's not all, it's not. This is not a great pairing. It's not a like, great like pairing. I, at the it's end not. of the day, it's just not a great match. I understand why both parties are at the table. I appreciate wanting to make things work. I think Morrow is much better suited for tapings yes rather than having to do a Live. weekly schedule on the road constantly i i mean that's a, there are a lot of people who are bipolar who just simply will wear down emotionally having to be on the road doing that kind of that level of impermanence it's draining um there are some people who really thrive in in that kind of transient nature and there are other people who really thrive with a sense of permanence um around them and uh, the road really kind of identifies which type of person you are. And and I think Morrow, like, for example, uh, NWA, uh, and I like Joe Galli a lot, so I, I, I wouldn't say replace Joe Galli, but, like, if you use Morrow Ronaldo to do tapings um, for NWA or, you know, if Lucha Underground was still around um, and he was doing tapings for Lucha Underground, those sorts of venues, neither of those are perfect, like, concepts, but a taping scenario I think works much better for him than being on the road. How hard is it to just come out with a memo to say, don't talk negatively about Morrow because of his condition? And then everybody I mean, has to it, abide You know, with Graves, it. too, it's just unprofessional. Yes. I, I, I think what Graves was doing 
beyond everything else, I, I mean, we're having a discussion about Morrow's condition, and it did set off Morrow's condition, but what Graves did was snipey and petty. It was snipey and petty, but I, you know what? I don't know if I don't buy his explanation that was all part of the brand versus brand versus brand stuff. I don't know that. Because to me, I think that you can use that as a shield. I think a you can. Bit. No, I, I, I definitely look. I am, I am open to both possibilities. I am open to the possibility that Corey Graves really sucks at Twitter <laughs> because of some of the negative. I, things I mean, he, said. he might just suck too. Yeah, I, I, I think there's decent evidence for either one of those cases. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't think it was a good call. I, I mean, maybe leave other commentators out of it did he go after phillips is there any no, evidence that he went no, after he, Tom bas- phillips? he basically praised nigel and, and beth while slamming morrow which you know which kind which of also you- sort of undercuts the brand narrative too because if you were going to slag the brand you'd also have to slag beth who um let's also be honest has a lot of vulnerabilities if you want to talk about yes. weaknesses on commentary um, and, and places that you could probably jab in a good natured way the problem for graves is that the version of events that elapsed is not actually on his side with the narrative he's trying to spin here. Chris, if I was to ask you, who'd be the most unlikely person to come out and take out Sasha Banks and cut a promo on Bailey? Who would you guess on the women's roster that person would be? Sarah Logan. Sarah Logan's on Raw, but thank you. Um, <laughs> hey, well, that was, that was uncommon. You didn't see that coming. No, I did not see that coming. Uh... If I, Dana Brooke? If, if I gave you Lacey Evans? Oh. Would, you, would that we're intrigue still, we're you? Still I'm trying kind of that, intrigued huh? by that. I'm watching this. I go, yeah. what the hell? Okay. Cool. Fine. I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm of the opinion that this was just... Probably Corey had a... Dr- well, I don't know. Is he straight edge like punk? I don't know. I thought he may have a drink or two. Sits down. Decides he's going to... Uh, you know, tweet a couple of snarky things while he's watching Takeover and just says, oh, man, all those rap references. Nice going, you know, whatever. And just and just gets a little bit too into it. I I just I'm just like, dude, they, they just need to make a mandate. Don't don't talk about Morrow. Don't bring up Morrow. Don't even don't even say anything about the commentary on NXT. If you are a corporate talent, protect the brand. That's all I'm saying. I think corporate Twitter accounts should have a, are you sure you want to send this tweet in a 30 (laughs) second delay? Oh boy. Yeah. So that happened. We don't know when he'll be back. I just know anytime Frank Shamrock decides he wants to pick a fight with whoever said it can't be good (laughs) because that's his broadcast partner from MMA. So you're just kind of, Ah, uh, God, just Twitter fights. Social media is so been a, Graves Shamrock is what you're saying at been Mania. A, been a bane on society. We're getting some goat imagery on the Firefly Fun Funhouse, so they've they've started another one, Chris. They do another goat here. Okay, I was I was teasing this when we were talking before we started recording. There's an internet theory that I find awesome about the Fiend character, and here it is: that every character he attacks goes back to a previous incarnation of themselves. You had Finn Balor going back as the prince. You have Seth Rollins going back to corporate, you know, authority, Seth Rollins. And now you have Daniel Bryan going back to goat face, yes movement type of person. I find that an awesome, subtle type of thing that they could do, but I just don't think that that's it. I just think they're they're just going with ideas here. 
Yeah, no, that would be really cool. And I think if, you know, I'll put some meat on this bones, although I don't think it's true. I think it would be interesting if Bray Wyatt was somehow getting into the head of Finn Balor and Seth Rollins. And at some point it was going to result in a convergence of a stable of Bray Wyatt, Finn Balor and Seth Rollins. <laughs> and, and that was what, you know, ultimately the the new the new Firefly Funhouse was going to be, you know, the new Wyatt family essentially is Rollins and Balor. That's actually kind of intriguing. Uh, it would be very contrary to the way WWE likes to book factions where they have one clear strong person and two goobers. Uh, so, I mean, I just, again, as I started off here, I don't think that that's what's happening. I think that all of the fantasy books of The Fiend are great and fascinating and creative. And it would be great if WWE was writing the character like any of them, and they're not. We have criticized. Now it is time to praise. NXT War Games happened Saturday. We went to air the Friday beforehand, did our preview. I loved the show, um, but I thought... the That was a great episode of Shake Them Ropes. (laughs) I thought the... uh, I thought the air was totally sucked out of the room, though, by how good that NXT women's war games match was. And let me put it this way. The entire war games scenario was there to make Rhea Ripley a star and there to tell the story of Dakota Kai turning heel because I. I, Oh, yeah. Shayna Baszler is a complete afterthought in that entire match. A bit, a bit. You got to admit she is a bit, but I'll, I'll, I'll praise her as well. Cause I'm praising everybody who played a role in this entire thing. If you look at Dakota Kai's matches leading up to this, since her comeback, she's only lost to the women's tag team title champions with Tegan Knox and to three other heels in the NXT war games match. She lost to Bianca Belair where we we're going, well, what was the reason for that? She lost to Shayna Baszler and she lost to, uh, Kaylee Ray in that one-on-one match. They beat fight and play to set up the tag team title match. And then they lost to Oscar and Kyrie Sane. Okay. Then you, then you cut to the entire thing about her not being, she didn't make the cut on the team. Okay. That was great. We thought, okay, maybe that's going to lead to something. And then they move far away from it so that we don't even suspect it. Unfortunately, it was on the pre-show where they, they paid all this off because on the pre-show we see Mia Yim's been attacked. And God bless her. I felt bad for Mia Yim not being able to be involved in the match, but she played her role perfectly. So you you can't you can't diss it at all because I mean she bumped hellaciously on that ladder match. I mean she played her role to a hilt, and of course, so she was a bit weakened to be it. And it was super clever booking because then she could actually work hard during that match because you know that the out is she's not actually in the war games match so the whole thing that we were talking about on that episode like oh you got to protect him for the war games match really clever booking because now you can actually have Mia Yim working during that ladder match so when when Dakota Kai is offering to go in the ambulance with Mia Yim and she gets dragged out by Rhea Ripley Chris she's wearing sweatpants with the NWO logo up and down her leg and oh, I yeah. I missed yeah. this the I first time. I missed it, and I because I'm just kind of like playing around on my phone. It's just the pre-show or whatever, and I watch that. And then, God bless them. They get we get to the match, and Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai are all dolled up heavily by the Glam Squad yeah. as the Rockers. 
They let Dakota Kai out. You hear Tegan Knox say, go, go, go. Turns around and just gives a hellacious beating. And I loved this beating. I loved the viciousness. I loved the tearing off of the thing. I love coming back. I love that she got so into it. I love when this happens because this happened to Bailey that first time that they teased a heel turn where she looked at Sasha and she says, you ain't S. She started cussing out people in the ring. She shoves William Regal. I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I want out of a Dakota Kai heel turn. She was awesome. Tegan knocks just the, the death bump by taking the, the header into the cage was awesome. I, I have, and the, and the, and the coda to this during the match Wednesday, when she comes out and she looks like she hasn't bathed in three days and she still she's has just, all the makeup on in it. Yeah. and has all the hair. I go, this is awesome. I loved everything about this. Gonna give some credit to Kaylee Ray here. Kaylee Ray trolling the crowd with the table and putting it back and then going in there and just kicking Rhea Ripley in the face, number one. And number two, then just taking every sort of hellacious bump known to man. She was an absolute ragdoll in this match, and I loved it. Bianca Belair doing some power spots there. Shayna Baszler, the, you, you brought her up, but when she gets unlocked from the cage and she does that little skipping motion outside and just counting the number of people on each team on her fingers, what an absolute jerk. I. Loved it. I loved everything about this match. I loved that uh, um, uh, uh, Candice LeRae had to be the scrappy underdog along with Rhea Ripley's power person to take on these four people. My only possible, possible criticism of this match was the thought that four people couldn't take out two, but they got around it with the handcuff thing, I think. What did you think of this match, Chris, and the angle in general? I think that the War Games match format, to go back to what we were talking about earlier between tight songs versus jam bands, the problem with the War Games match format and why so many people have gotten stale on it is that before the match officially begins, there's about 20 minutes of jamming. That said, this match does a very nice job because there's so much story going on in that initial 20 minutes. It does a nice job making you actually emotionally invested in it. The Dakota Kai turn being really the the crux of what we're building up to before the match officially begins. Totally awesome. Then we get into the match once it's officially begun, and everyone works really hard. Io Shirai doing that moonsault off the cage. That is one of my all-time favorite moonsaults. Like it it was, it it was just awesome. She's so unbelievably talented. The moonsault, yeah. The 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 running knee that she did with uh, Bianca Belair. Where she's just running and running and running and running and yeah. running, and you never yeah, think it's going to stop. Yeah, that was a great stop. spot. The craziness of, hey, you know what? Screw strategy. I'm going up into the war games first. The hell with all of you. She was, yeah. I. They have to do it this way because you can't do war games the old way, where it's an old blood and guts, kick, kick, stomp, stomp thing. And I've learned. No, to- no, that's the problem with the format. The problem with the format is that you need the first. 20 minutes before the match quote unquote begins to have some sort of story occurring during yeah. that. And, and whenever they avoid that and go, we're just going to have, you know, a traditional war games match. It, it exposes 
the problem with the old War Games format. I just, I, I do have a little bit of an issue with all the plunder that's brought in. But it's part of the smoke and mirrors of the whole thing, I guess. Yeah, I, I, no, I'm with you. I, I feel like you have to earn the plunder. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, these matches, like certain feuds, don't earn it. You know, it kind of on the other hand, like if it had been the undisputed era versus Imperium, I would have expected both of these factions to go like, "We're settling this once and for all. Let's get the weapons out." Um, that would be a scenario for the plunder. Whereas this didn't. It it felt like, well, I'm supposed to grab a table, right? And even the whole Kaylee Ray joke, the whole Kaylee Ray heel joke that she was kind of playing on the audience, <laughs> is built around the convention that she's just expected to get a table. Yeah, well, it, well, it's like it's just I, I hate, I hate that modern audiences. Anytime somebody gets a chair or a kendo stick, starts chanting for tables automatically. It's it's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous trope. Yes, go kill yourself some more for my. My entertainment dollar, please. <laughs> I, I, well, yeah. We want blood doesn't have the syllabic mouthfeel that you need in order to really turn into a chant. No, but it would make it more, you know, Candace having a little bit of blood while she's being the underdog trying to fight off four people would make it that much more dramatic a little bit. That's, that's That was a thought I had coming into it, but I mean... I know they don't like blood, so I'm fine with that. I just, it was... Well, Candace showing up with a, a weapon and, you know, kind of going to town on four... This is where I thought the weapons are more justified if the babyface team goes and grabs them. And so the benefit of having four on two is that you can have a big heroic weapon spot where, like, a babyface yeah. dispatches momentarily, you know, three or four of the baddies. This is our chance to get even with these dastardly heels who have been beating us up two on one. Well, now I'm here with a weapon in there. But every yeah, time, the comeuppance but, spot that we've been building, too. Yeah, but every time I complain about weapons, I also remember that they brought in Polly's giant uh, cellular phone and a wrench one year to unhook the turnbuckles. So, I mean, you know, plunder has been a part of war games since its inception too. So old man Hawkins is just sometimes yelling at a No cloud. one cares about the rules of professional wrestling anymore, Jeff. <laughs> Grab that tag rope. <laughs> it's a five count for tag teams. Why does it turn into a tornado match every time? Thanks, JR. Uh, <laughs> the rest of the matches, I think, kind of went down according to how we thought it would. Um... You know, the triple threat I thought was very, very good. Uh, the, uh, the the Riddle versus Finn Balor kind of went down as we thought it would as well, although I thought maybe Finn might cheat a little bit harder to get that win to kind of protect Riddle a bit. Yeah, I, I mean, also kind of... This is the problem with the Finn character, especially after this week on NXT, is I think they've just tried to play this too cute by half. Yeah. And then the men's, uh, men's war games I thought was... Uh, it it uh, it was a little too choreographed, and sometimes it uh, it went for their uh, detriment. Like the whole throwing, jam band throwing Roddy through. Uh, they tried to do that spot where they were going to throw Roddy over the ropes into the other ring, and they missed. So he had to fly through the ring, but I think he caught his neck on one of the ropes and almost decapitated himself. Um, you had a couple of spots there where you know people are trying to get their balance and were kind of waiting and. You know, but it was a spot show. It was a stunt show. And the ending, you know, with uh, Project Champa through the through the tables and then having to wrestle the next day. I mean, I'm never going to diss that because it's impressive to uh, to the resilience of the guys. I mean, look, it, it's they're they're going to go bigger and bigger on stunts until somebody really gets hurt. And uh, 
you kind of have to uh, you kind of have to say with caution that you admire that out of them. It's fine to say that until somebody gets hurt, and it's the person that you really like watching week in week out. I guess. <laughs> did you watch any of the Survivor series? I did. I, I did watch a little bit of the Survivor series. My notes on Survivor series are kind of in line with just my views on my cynical views on WWE booking at times in terms of their main audience is over 50, but they book for you like you're eight and you don't understand things. So they, they never quite put the rocket on people. They want to put the rocket on. They kind of give them that, that golly gee, you're a good fella. Here's a nice medium sized push, but you don't get the full push. Like Rhea Ripley was a damn rock star in that match. And then they have Candace and EO come out to run interference for her. These two had just gone at each other the night previous, but for brand supremacy, you heal Candace LeRae to help Rhea Ripley win a match. I don't know. I just think if you like Rhea Ripley, you have her go over Sasha Banks. That's all you have to do. It's a USA show. It's not a network show anymore. And it's it is so a bizarre roster. to try to protect Sasha because, I mean, the, the entire weekend really felt like the Rhea Ripley coming out party. We're pushing Rhea Ripley now. That's what this whole weekend was really designed to do. So don't protect Sasha. She can she can take it. She's a yeah, and, 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 like, there's no reflective acquired glory that EO or Candice gets for being there in that spot. All it does is subtract from Rhea. Yeah, same with the Keith Lee thing. I mean, I, I get it. I know, especially after eliminating Walter that quick, and their thinking is, well, we got stuff for him later. Same with Tony Storm. You know, Matt Riddle gets a roll-up on, on, on Orton, and that's supposed to be a big deal, I guess. Getting a roll-up on a guy instead of hitting a move and pinning him clean. I think it might be a big deal in the sense that maybe Orton shows up down in NXT. Oh, and, and that's that sets up the. It will ha- if the money is right, Randy Orton will go anywhere. Okay, that's true. That part's true, and he just signed for a big deal, so maybe he'll do do the kid a favor. I I just, you know, and then you know the whole handshake after defeat thing, and you're kind of like, look, if you want to make Keith Lee a big star, just put him over Roman. Just do that, and then see what happens on Wednesday to the ratings when they all come in, and it's just. It's it's that it's that we want to make him a star, but not but but we don't want to make him too big of a star just yet because we're not ready for him, you know that kind of thing. And then and then the topper of all that was the women's three way, which was such a poorly planned match given that crowd. But that crowd wasn't going to give him anything anyways, and that that's made me sad because I love all three of those performers, as I've said before. But you have her beat Bailey. Bailey gets shoved to the side. Becky gets up and in the middle of Shayna's celebration beats her up and we end with Becky's music. Why? Shayna got the win. Let her have the moment. But no, we got to give Becky her heat back on the same show two minutes later. And it just. Where we took it away from Bailey when really the person who needs quote unquote their heat back is Bailey, yeah. who just got beat in this entire build up to this match. Bailey kept coming up short. Yeah, I mean, it, it it was such a ridiculous thinking. I mean, the matches themselves were okay. I mean, I love the I loved the uh, Pete Dunne Adam Cole match. I thought that was the oh, that was a really good match. I mean, NXT stole this show all night. Most of the fans were behind them too. I, I mean, it was a it was a good good showing for everybody on that brand. It drove me nuts that they put the tag team title match on the pre show 
along with two other matches that just didn't matter. They had a 205 Live and they had a Battle Royal between the tag teams. But it, it's just one of those things where it's too cute by half. You can you can see the internal thinking on the screen if you have a double digit IQ where it's where it's look, we're going to give them the rub. We're just not going to give this person too much of the rub right now because, you know, we don't want to put them over real stars. It's the whole NXT wins four to two to one. Like they're going to win and they're going to win by getting a majority of the matches won, but they'll also lose three matches because reasons. Well, that and also God bless them. Roman comes out before we went to tape. We went to tape about 530 Pacific time. 5 p.m. Pacific time, Roman comes out, cuts a promo, and they somebody started an NXT chant, and he goes, eh, it doesn't matter, we're all WWE universe anyways. It's like, what's the point of watching this damn thing if you're just going to dismiss everything you just did in the previous also, weekend? That <laughs> completely neuters whatever contrived brand war you would hope to have at some point. Because here's the thing. People aren't going to go, do you remember that Roman Reigns promo that he did on Friday, November 29th, 2019? You remember when he said in front of the audience, we're all WWE anyways? It's not going to be cited like that. But like... It will be a subconscious mood that viewers have now of like, oh, this isn't like they're not actually really. There's no it's, real beef between these brands. And yeah. It was a, it was a tough sell anyways. It wasn't hard to buy to begin with, but I Roman kind of just, just driving the Vince, nail into the coffin. I can see Vince in like the two weeks between pay-per-views that this was or three weeks or whatever it was. Look, this brand stuff is important. You guys are in competition with one another. You know, it's really a corporate, corporate thing and you guys should have brand pride and take pride in yourself, blah, blah, blah. And then like on Monday, somebody goes, yeah, brand pride. And Vince just listens and goes, what are you, an idiot? This stuff's all fake. And you just go, wait, how? There's only one brand. There's the WWE. Yeah, you all stupid. work for Why me. Why are you an idiot for you buying idiots. into that thing? <laughs> <laughs> you dumbass. <laughs> Remember the corporate picnic metaphor? It's like, yeah, man, accounting really had a good showing there. You idiot. We're all the same corporation. <laughs> no, it's accounting taking the baseball game way too seriously and then going like, what do we win? And they're like, not anything. This is just a game. And you guys like trampled us, but then also celebrated really viciously after you did so. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh. I just I watched that I went wow we're just gonna dismiss moving on that's what it is anytime anytime you hear a logical through line or plot line drop it's always moving on first days is it's like every day is your first day here in the WWE <laughs> you gotta do that they literally say moving on yeah they like, do that will be the way they segue to a different segment they, yeah. they don't hang on stuff they don't ruminate on like what do you think that means and then there's no time to fully consider it or whatever at this particular moment <laughs> yeah somebody's been stretching out with like a neck brace and he's giving a thumbs up because he's been debilitated and possibly crippled moving on charlie crusoe's in the back to talk to mojo raleigh <laughs> and you're just like wait what are we not going to give a gravitas to the fact that somebody was almost crippled on your show? <laughs> I don't care what era it is. These are the sorts of things that actually should matter. Otherwise, they shouldn't be plot points. Exactly. It's like, you know, Herman Melville's writing Moby Dick. And he just goes, you know, all this stuff about whaling. Is that really integral to the plot? You know, <laughs> Turtle crossing the road in the Grapes of Wrath? Who needs that metaphor? Let's just get to the Jodes. Come on. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so we had this NXT show. 
We have NXT UK to briefly go over. Uh, we have not watched 205 Live, but it looks like they have good matches, even though they may not mean much. Um, because it's going to be uh, our boy, Raul Mendoza, and uh, Arya Davari, and then I believe the other match is... Uh, oh, man. I got to go to Twitter. Vamp. <laughs> All right. Um, guys, it's, it's time for fantasy talk here. Jeff didn't want it. I renamed the team from... Uh, Siakam rocking in the free world to get Dinwiddie with it earlier tonight because we are now in first place ah, and we okay, need got a new it. pun. All right. And the other match is uh, Jack Gallagher and uh, Angel Garza, which would be there pretty go. good. That so, actually would be a good match. Hmm. Who is this with Shinsuke? Sami Zayn, probably. Well, Sami Zayn's talking, but there's another guy. Ne- oh, that's Cesaro. That's Cesaro and glasses. Yeah, and yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, I guess we'll do NXT UK first since I watched it. Uh, give me a rundown. I'll give you some opinions. Okay, I'll give you a rundown here. So let's see. Piper Niven pins Ginny with Jazzy Gabbard after a Michinoku driver in seven minutes and 30 seconds. What'd you think about this one? A uh, good little match. Ginny is kind of, uh, I, I love Ginny, but she is very slight. She, she so reminds me of Sasha Banks in that she does things and that someday she's going to probably be killed um, <laughs> because of her frail, thin thing. But everything they do is great. That Ginny Jazzy tandem. And then we got the uh, reemergence of Tony Storm on the UK brand, which is a shock to me because I thought I thought the weeks off what meant she was going to be re-debuting on NXT, the main brand, and it kills. But then she was never involved in the takeover match, and I, I think that was kind of our first hint that maybe they had different plans, especially with the Rhea Ripley mega push. Well, the other thing that was weird is she gets introduced with absolutely very little fanfare on the SmackDown as part of Team NXT for the women. She kind of gets in, you know, not, I mean, there was no big deal to her in the match. She kind of gets dismissed kind of like Walter, which makes you think, okay, we have plans for her and we want to protect her, so let's get her out quick, which makes little sense on both fronts that you don't make a big deal of Tony Storm. I wonder if plans changed. I wonder if there there are some people who who like the idea of bigger plans for her, and then she got to the main roster, and other people did not like those bigger plans. They so wanted much. they didn't want Rhea overshadowed. Yeah, okay. they, they saw they saw something in Rhea that they really liked, and Tony's fine. Rhea Rhea's very good too. I think Tony Storm's. A well, much I know, no, I, I no, I think Tony's a better wrestler, but I think Rhea's got a. WWE's not about being a great wrestler. Yes, it's about no, being no, thank, a great thank act. You, thank you, Jeff. <laughs> God, my words are coming back to attack me. Ah, you know, yeah, but I, I say them louder and and also better with more sex appeal. What's next, Chris? <laughs> um, after that, Eddie Dennis had a match oh, yeah. against a person named Dreyce Gordon. Tell me about Dreyce. Uh, debut... Again, it's an NXT debut, so the guy has to get far more offense than he should. You'll be proud of Eddie Dennis. He was wearing actual wrestling gear. Oh, is he? he He's is. actually like dressed up like a grown-up now? Uh, yeah, the tights are a little baggy, but they're not basketball baggy. Um, he looked... He didn't look half bad. I was kind of like uh, asking for your uh, 
I was going to ask for your opinion on that, but you didn't see him. But no, uh, no. But I, I will. I will take a look at this uh, retailered yeah, Eddie he, Dennis. He I'm intrigued he, now. It's, it's yeah. No, he doesn't. He doesn't look like he's he's uh, changed in, and at a YMCA. So no, I'm, I'm I'm I think this is an upgrade. All right, now I need you to break down this Gnome Dar and Ashton Smith match um, <laughs> on the Bockwinkle scale. Where would you rank it? Oh, <laughs> oh God. Uh, you know, Noam Dar wins Ashton. I mean, it, it's a back and forth between a guy we don't care about and Noam Dar. Uh, I don't know if this is on your rundown of matches, but I think before this, we had a Joseph Connor promo. Chris, it's going to be a triple threat between Connors, Legero and Travis Banks for yes. the who cares title of the world. Yes. <laughs> I was like watching this going. Oh, Novembrino better have watched this show. He better. <laughs> I will tell you what. I'm I'm going to be so fake into that match next week, guys. Like, man, I am going to be working hard when I am calling that match on this show. And I believe the stipulation because they were talking about it, is the winner will go on and have a match at Takeover Blackpool Two. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, they Are will. Are you ready? Yeah, it better be the main event, and it better be 40 minutes of Joseph <laughs> Connors. <laughs> Can, let me ask you this. Is it possible for two people to win this match? Is it possible for no people to win this match? Can, can no. all three How about all three? Can we get all three into the main event and take over? Can they all pin like each other and then we get them into like a fatal four-way against uh, Jordan Devlin oh, who beats them a all? a triple backslide where they all pin themselves. Yes, there we go. So there are no winners and there are no losers. There's just And they're the all going to take over. Yes. There we go. <laughs> Hell yeah. This is a good match. Um Imperium this break this down for me. Imperium versus Gallus with Ilya Dragonoff. What do we think about this? I enjoyed the hell out of this. I really did cuz I love Imperium and I think it it's fascinating to watch Gallus and Babyface fire. It really was. They were cheering on Ilya Dragunov when they were getting the heat on him, slapping the turnbuckle. Joe Coffey comes in against Walter, does power moves. This was a fun little thing, and then it breaks down into Bedlam, so there aren't so nobody gets beat. But this was fun for what it was. I'd I'd recommend anybody who kind of watched this because this is like big. This is a fun feud. Big These guys, are, guys yeah. beating each yeah. other up. I'm down with that, man. It's I a good faction. War, I mean, man. Look, I'm not the biggest fan of the coffee brothers and Wolfgang in the world, but uh, they're serving their role here. It's fine. I, I don't have a lot of love for. Joe I have Coffey recently become as a feud, but I'm, I'm I have recently become pro pro Gallus a, yeah. as we, we, we have publicly been made aware of. And uh, I, I think that for a brand that does have a lot of sort of flagging programs, I, just like looking at the card on paper this week here, you know, Piper Niven, the Ginny and Jazzy Gabbard thing's fine, but we you actually have to get there at some point, and, you know, this division's not setting the I'm, world on fire. Eddie Dennis getting rebooted, okay. Gnome Dar, okay. But Imperium versus Gallus is actually a fun angle that is worth watching, in my opinion. Yeah, um. I th- and I think they're going back to Tony Storm and Kaylee Ray because Kaylee Ray came right. out and slapped Piper. And I like, I've, Pipe, or Kaylee Ray has grown on me out of this War Games feud. She really has. I, I never really saw a lot in her character coming in. And then she did the feud with Tony and that was getting to be okay. But she's becoming more of a Weasley heel. 
The thing that, yes. the thing that yeah. I love about Gallus, though, and this is I think this is also why, you know, people cheer on Dakota Kai when she turns heel and people cheered Bailey and even Becky Lynch when they turned heel. I think we just want to see range out of performers and it's nice to see something different and watching Gallus play cheering baby faces, getting the crowd fired up when they've been heels this entire time for the most part. I mean, look, I think eventually the story ends with Gallus beating the hell out of dragon off, but yeah, I think that's how they get back to being. That's how they get again. back there. But while you're watching this, it's kind of like watching, uh, like when Arn and Flair would be baby faces against JTEX or, and then they eventually turn on Sting. You know, it's, it's kind of like watching that. In, in, yeah, whenever Arn would come out and be the unlikely tag team partner of, of somebody Rhodes, tonight. You know, before yeah, or Lex Luger, yeah. wh- whoever it was. Yeah, like the, the uh, upper mid-card baby face. You're like, Arn Anderson, really? How's that going to work? But... Oh, this is kind of fun. It's like it's like yeah. having Magneto on the X Men team tonight. Yeah. There you go. That, no, that's a that's a perfect analogy. Watching watching the guy who's always been kind of the stoic, cranky, sullen villain. All of a sudden, he's the hero, and you're like, oh, "That's interesting. That's different. We're getting to see a different side." He look. He he seems to be enjoying palling around with the Beast and Cyclops and everybody else. Yeah, I'm 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 down with a good redemption story for a short time and then they and then it becomes the scorpion and the frog and it's like you knew who i was when when you made this deal kind of thing right right yeah yeah you, you should never have taken your guard down that's yeah. sort of thing and that's and that's fine because i think you know coming out of this if you're talking joe coffee versus Ilya dragon off that's a fun feud so it's a really natural way to spin out of this program i just i still don't know what to make it Ilya dragon off because i don't love it but it's uh, people people are connecting with it and i don't have to like something for to say that it's working you know what sticking I mean? the I, chest I, out like he's a big man. You're just like looking at him going, you're like a buck 85, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't get the character. Is the character delusional? Like, I don't they, know that's that either, a, yeah. Yeah, that's the part I actually legitimately have a hard time. If I had to explain it's like, was what he is Zillia Dragunov doing and like why is he doing it, I don't know that I can do that still. It's like, was he the Dolph Lundgren character in Rocky Four and just the drugs didn't kick in, so he's still just a scrawny guy, but mentally he thinks he's a he, Russian he super body. Super yeah, he never got the super se- yeah. yeah, he never got the super serum, but part of it went to his brain as opposed to his muscles. So he thinks he's a superman and he has the red eyes. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear Dragonov's backstory other than he's just this dude who takes on far more than he can chew. And if that's his character, fine. I want to hear about that too. You know, you've shown me, now tell me something. But uh, yeah, and also just Nigel has been killing it on this show and NXT when he's with Phillips. He and Phillips are fantastic, I think. Yeah, and an underproduced Tom Phillips does so much better. Sneaky sense of humor. Yep. Sneaky needles not Nigel a bit, and Nigel then comes back at, at Tom hard to the point where Tom goes, if I say something, I'm going to be fired. So I'm, I'm fine with that. That's cool. I enjoy listening to Tom on these B shows and, and from my old line of work, one of the things I always notice is that Tom is just much, much more confident not having someone in his ear and you can hear it in his voice. Let's do a little NXT and go home. Okay. Um, this week on NXT live, we had, where shall we begin? Um, beginning. 
Well, I know. I want to begin <laughs> at the beginning. That That's great. So everyone comes out to celebrate NXT uh, winning. The Slipknot is blasting. We are cranking the Slipknot. It is 1998 all over again. Everyone's out there. They are not your kind, but they are NXT. And then the Undisputed Era comes out and says, no, in fact, you are not our kind. We are the Undisputed Era, and we're the ones responsible for NXT being really awesome. Like, the party part of this was... It goes back to what you were saying before about, like, I mean, the stakes felt non-existent. So they have this big party. And then what? Like, what did it mean? It didn't mean shit. <laughs> Why not just buy the rights to Sister Sledge, We Are Family, and just have them all dance in t-shirts? Um, yeah, or celebrate <laughs> good times by cooling the gang, yeah. you know? Yeah, like that. Everyone comes out on stage. They're all clapping. Yeah, I, I mean, it... it Boy, it was silly. M- more than anything, it was silly to see all these people feigning like this celebration was because they were about to get a thing. Yeah, and they did, got no thing. Although there was I, no th- there was no MacGuffin to get here. I did enjoy. God, I, I enjoy cameos as much as the next person, but damn it, I am ready for a couple of these managers who have been on the Largo tour to get some TV time. I'm waiting like for Malcolm Bivens. Malcolm Bivens, you got a shot of him. You got a shot of uh, DJZ, whatever his name is. Robert Strauss, I believe, is the name he's going by. You know, you you know, you know, got a lot of the red shirts from NXT that you ra- rarely see. I'm, I'm just, it's one of those things where it's like, Dude, you got all these guys on the vine. When are we going to see these people? When are we going to see Deanna Perrazzo again? When are we going to see Chelsea Green again? I, I'm, uh, yeah, it's kind of like one of those things. And then the Undisputed, hey, cut the music. We need to take our victory lap, which is cool. I mean, that makes, like, that at least brings more sense to the scene of the Undisputeds are still, like, World League jerks and don't view themselves as part of this brand or whatever. But again, it undercuts everyone else who is a baby face on any of those teams in Survivor Series. Yeah. And uh, so that brings us to the tag after, you know, Ciampa cuts a promo on uh, on both Finn Balor, who comes out and... and uh, yeah, he's Adam playing Cole. a little bit of a locker room leader here. Get a tag team match between... Uh, Keith, Lee Keith Lee and, and Dominic Dijakovic. Versus, uh, versus, at first, Fish and O'Reilly. Here is where... My old school sensibilities start to weep a bit, Chris, because poor Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish took took a shot on, on his bad knee in the War Games match, which meant he was already hobbled, and then he gets concussed like two minutes into this match. So we come back from commercial, and Roddy is in street clothes wrestling because they had to make a last-minute calculation because, of course, there can't be a guy who gets hurt in a match and work around it because we have or all you this- couldn't just have the heels get a count-out loss yes. and be totally fine with that because they're heels. They don't we- care. They just want to hang on to the titles. We have plans, and we have set spots we need to do, and we have And we don't know how to write around this. And we can't call it on the fly. So, yeah. To me, it's always one of those things when somebody gets hurt, I'm like, well, that's the point of a wrestling match half the time is for people to get hurt and then to beat your opponent. So, just... If anything, this should be a more common feature in angles and in match booking. Yeah, there was no way around. There was no way around this. I mean, they tried to explain with the Freebird rule stuff, but that only applies to in the beginning. I mean, Roddy looked a little ridiculous, but I. But given the point, I mean, he filled in well. It's just one of those things where you go, 
just go home and do something else. Just go home and book a match for later or something. You got a guy that's hurt. Don't break the fourth wall by going, okay, we need to somehow rebook this match somehow. And how do we logically get it over on commentary? Because you're watching this. What I would have done is I would have had, here's how I would have booked this. I would have had O'Reilly working on his own, but Cole and Roddy are now ringside cheering on their boy in a handicap match and furiously cheating to get O'Reilly the win and then have Nigel on commentary put it over as O'Reilly heroically defending the title in a two-on-one match situation like with the furious cheating. There's there's so many creative on-your-feet ways of getting out of this match, especially given the luxury of a commercial break. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. But uh, again, it wasn't really a commercial, commercial type thing. It was the picture-in-picture picture type commercial. Yeah, is, but that's still like a which is also spot killing, of sorts. It's killing. Oh, it's horrible. Wrestling. You know, it's horrible. It's horrible. They got, I, on both brands, it's got to go. I get why you're doing it money-wise, but like it completely destroys the entire match. It, it, it sucks me out of it. Like the second that little split happens, I'm like, it's like my brain goes, nope, I'm not watching a fight anymore, and I'm gone. Um, you know, the NBA does that with free throws, but I'm barely watching during the free throws anyways. Yeah. <laughs> free throws aren't a part of the game. Um. <laughs> they, they are, but you, but like, you know what I mean? Like it's one thing to just kind of like turn your head to the side while like a 30-second commercial plays while Isaiah Thomas is standing at the line getting ready to shoot a free throw for Washington. Uh, it's completely different when it's in the middle of like a tag team title match or something. Next up. Next up is, I was stepping away. I thought you were going to say something else. Monsoor defeats Shane Thorne. I played a game this week. This is a fun game. I I want you to play this at home. Close your eyes when you're watching some of these B shows and see if you can tell who the wrestler is coming out from the curtain by the theme song that is playing. <laughs> it is harder than you might think, and it should not be that hard of a game. Uh, but I was able to pass this game with Shane Thorne, which I was mildly impressed with my own skills on, because, boy, Shane Thorne has a theme that you cannot remember, and they painted this as a must-win situation for Shane Thorne on commentary. With, uh, at one point, Tom Phillips goes, Nigel, wouldn't you say this is must-win for Shane Shane Thorne, and I was like, oh, I'd say so, and then Shane Thorne loses this match. Well, I mean, Shane Thorne also... I don't care about Shane Thorne, I just think it's dumb commentary to raise the stakes for someone, and no one's going to remember that Monsoor won in a clutch situation, they're just going to remember that Shane Thorne choked. Yeah, and Shane Thorne is... Look, he's been dead since uh, since the other since Nick Miller went, or is he Nick Miller? I don't remember these. No, things. he's he's Shane Thorne. I know, he's, I know, I just can't, can't remember. Shane Thorne can't be. He well, he should have been as a forgotten son though. He could have started <laughs> Forgotten Sons Australia. You know who and he is? Joined in. Who? He's, he's Australian Joseph Connors. Oh, he kind of is though. Yeah. Maybe you. Oh, you could pair him with Danny Birch now. They can make a tag team of uh, yeah, now that the, the Forgotten probably Sons. probably gone and doing indies against his contract, I think. Yeah. <laughs> forgotten Sons Transatlantic. There you <laughs> The Australian club. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, good Lord. I wouldn't I'm mind seeing it. him and Birch. I mean, if, we, if we're going to put Birch with somebody, I mean, look, 
No, honestly, they, that wouldn't be a bad nondescript heel tag team. was a better half team. of TM61 anyways. So, yes. Yeah. No, he's a good... They're both good tag wrestlers, too. This What would be good about this team is the first week, there would be no expectations from the audience. So if Thorne and Birch have some gelled-together spots, and they're both really good as tag team guys, they had some gelled-together spots they could get over very quickly, and you can reheat Thorne. But I, I completely agree with you. As, as a singles act, Thorne is dead. That's probably true with Birch, too. I think they, they've... Just too many times around the past with him. Um, and with Mansoor, a, a nice win. They're putting it over as a big time thing. Um, that they, they still very much have plans for old Mansoor. Um, I don't. It'll be interesting to see how those work. Birch is firmly in that. Pez Watley. He's not. He's not the guy who's going to get beat. He's going to get some offense in, but eventually he's going to get. He's going to lose. Yeah. Type of guy. So yeah, I would. I would love to see that tag team. Re- if, look, if Lorkin's not coming back and I want Lorkin to come back because I like Oni Lorkin, but Oni Lorkin has a independent mindset and I'm not going to fault that either, man. I mean, he wants to go. He wants to work the independence and be an independent wrestler as opposed to being stuck here in WWE doing good matches, but not getting used and not being made a star. So I am fine if he decides to leave, but I wouldn't mind him coming back. But if he's not coming back, Shane Thorne wouldn't be the worst replacement in the world on that team. You're exactly No, right I completely that. agree. Yeah. So uh, let's go to Candice LeRae versus Dakota Kai. Already mentioned I thought Dakota Kai looking like she hadn't slept since War Games was an awesome look because she still had the glam makeup on. I just thought this went a little too long to, to end it with the knee brace shot. The knee brace shot should have come a little quicker, I think. Yeah, um, no, I'm gonna go, I'll go a little further. I think that Candice should have been House of Fire absolutely enraged. The whole I'm so upset about Tegan Knox yes. stuff is kind of contrived. But if you're going to go that angle, if that that's the story you want to tell, then Candice LeRae needs to just be like, Dakota Kai was a snake, and she stabbed her whole team in the back. And uh, honestly, Candace should be the one saying, and you know what? I think it's her who attacked Mia Yim. I, I think I know exactly who attacked Mia Yim. Like that, Candace LeRae needs to be a more active participant in this story, and she needed to be more fired up yeah, in this I'll, match. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll posit something to you. I'll, I'll go with, okay, I liked the promo. I really did. I liked her promo before this match. I thought it was really good. Okay. Dakota comes out, shows the knee brace. Candace sees this, goes, gets a chair, but doesn't use it because Dakota eventually relents on, on the knee brace, puts it down in her corner. Candace puts down the chair. Okay, we're going to have a match, but I just want to let you know I'm mad. Candace comes out, House of Fire beats on, beats on Dakota to the point where, you know, referee steps in after a couple of four counts and says, hey, I'm going to DQ you. Dakota Kai grabs knee brace, clocks Candace, DQ. That's all you need to do right there. Yeah, yeah. No, this didn't need to be a match. Yeah. I I think the mistake in this match was making it wrestling, whereas this needs to just be rage. Because you gave Candice such a shine on both the War Games and the Survivor Series match that you didn't want to kill that shine. And I think this kind of did in some ways. She needs to be the moral authority, too. They're they're trying to... this. I mean, I get it. We're mega-pushing Rhea Ripley here, but... Trying to have Rhea Ripley also do the best friend to everyone moral authority thing, I think, is just a bridge too far for Rhea Ripley. She just needs to be cool. Candace needs to be the moral authority the of the women's yeah. division. A- a- and Rhea is cool. 
Candace is the responsible one who is less cool, but still cool, but more responsible. Like you know what I mean? Like there's Rhea, a little look, bit of a yin and yang. I'm gonna give you a terrible analogy because okay, I love, I'm, terrible, I love analogies. terrible analogies. Let's do it. Rhea Ripley is Fonzie. Candace LeRae is is Ron Howard's character, Richie Cunningham. Richie Cunningham. Yeah, yeah I'm into that. Uh, okay, was, wasn't Potsy kind of cool? Pot, but like no, not pot, that no, cool. Potsy was okay. He was kind of a good looking man. I was thinking Ralph Mouth. My fault. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's what I'm saying. Like, like she, she would be like Potsy was like moderately not as cool as Fonzie, obviously, but like moderately cool. Um. Yeah. That's like that's what Candace <laughs> needs to be. Rhea Ripley is Joe, and Candace LeRae is Blair. <laughs> I was not sure who the second name was going to be. I wasn't Joe. sure either. I think maybe Tootie or uh, or <laughs> or Natalie might be the ones to go with on the facts of life. I just couldn't think of anyone because there's no way Candace LeRae is Blair. <laughs> I'm glad we hit that facts of life demo. I, I, big, big section of our audience hit, here. Look, I just hit the happy days demo, which is over. 50. Yeah, no, hey, like we tap that, we tap that button, baby. You're doing yeah, yeah, all we, the f- we press them all. We, hey, we, we're this is an inclusive show. We're roping them all in, baby. I, I'm sorry, the guy doing the All in the Family podcast is talking to me about ageist references. Kiss my. No, ass. the guy who is doing the All in the Family <laughs> podcast might be a little bit more with the times than you oh, might realize. Oh, oh yeah, All in the Family, really. Uh, Timely, yeah, 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 because because the show because the show is about the TV show that that's what's going on. All right, so up next, Cameron Grimes. He does Hawkins doesn't get my work. Uh, Cameron Grimes does he does a vignette. This was fun. I what I liked about the Cameron Grimes thing is sort of teases a little bit that he is gonna maybe be a baby face and he's reconsidering how he's been a dick and he's like, no, I'm gonna keep being a dick. I'm Cameron Grimes. I liked it. I actually missed this. I feel oh, kind of bad. I guess I was fast. Oh no, this is this is fun. It. No, it, uh, there's like kind of the music change too. It starts off a little reflective. Uh, I worked my way up from being a southern boy. You know, wrestling's in my blood. That kind of thing. And then, and I've been a little uns- something like I've been a little unscrupulous to get ahead or whatever. And then like and he's like, well, I'm gonna keep on doing that. And you know, talks about caving in everybody and how he's a hot dog. And you know, it's it was a good promo. I enjoyed it. He does cocky heel real well. Yeah, he does. No, I I think this is this is a good character for him. I think what I was thinking about coming out of this promo though is that given the lay of the land with the undisputeds, it probably makes more sense if you want to get Grimes in the action to have him at least for right now working as the disingenuous I'm a changed man babyface character. And I, yeah. I think they I they maybe turned the corner on this a little too soon. I, I, I would have I would have done changed bad Cameron Grimes for about a month and then had him like stab someone in the back to get like a title shot or something like that. But that's neither here nor there. Up next, this is a really fun match. Leo Rush versus Akira Tozawa. I liked this match I liked a lot. I like this, this a lot, I, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I want these 205 live guys who were put on the main roster just get put on the NXT roster. Because Leo they Rush is really, here. really good. Okay, like also worth Akira noting Tazawa here. Akira Tozawa is really, really good yes, as well. Yes, also I mean, true. This was better. No. This was better than the three-way with Callisto on the pre-show because they did a brand versus brand versus brand. Oh yeah, three-way. no, this is this is way better than the yeah the three-way on the pre-show. No, this this is awesome. This is a premier like quality star level title match. This is a great match. Leo Rush continues to. Just kill it on these TV shows, bringing the fans really good matches you can sink your teeth into. He kills it on the TV matches, 
we're still just not sure if he's a pure baby face or if he's one of those baby faces with a little bit of a heel underneath in him that's going to come out at any time now. It's just... Yeah, I know. It's a little... It's a little too cute. I feel like he's a baby face, but yeah, no, it's also tricky. Like, what is the man of the hour gimmick? Is, is he a family man? Is he a swagger man? Like, I, you know, I don't know. It's it's a bit confusing. I'll, I'll give you that. Zia Lee defeats Vanessa Bourne extremely quickly. I actually kind of liked the whole, here comes Shayna Baszler with fight and play, so I'm just going to finish off Vanessa Bourne. We'll get to the fight and play standoff, and then... After that, out comes moral authority, Rhea Ripley. See, this to me should have been like a Candice LeRae spot or maybe Candice with Rhea Ripley, you know, that sort of thing. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, We are at the end of SmackDown right now. Yeah. Daniel Bryan has done the yes chant about, I guess, a rematch with with The Fiend. The Fiend has come out in uh, in the Butcher and the Blade spot of the ring to now drag Daniel Bryan down to hell, which he is doing. Daniel Bryan's trying to fight out of it. I don't see Allie anywhere, so I don't think the bunny's involved. He's going to be trapped in the funhouse. He has grabbed pieces of Daniel Bryan's hair or beard. So I think Daniel Bryan is going to come back clean shaven of some variety. And we are still fighting in the Butcher and the Blade platform slash cane platform. While the Fiend is grabbing just tons of daniel bryan's hair it looks like so i'm guessing i'm guessing brie wanted daniel to get a haircut (laughs) shave the beard or whatever chris as a man with facial hair how do you feel about this i go i go in between um I, i was doing a mustache thing about four months ago i'm not doing it presently but uh you know when you are dating with a lady they uh they do not love the mustache is my experience uh they they don't they don't see the charm in it that i see they don't think it's a fun way to spice up your day uh they find it to be a hindrance when they want to you know make out and that sort of thing so there was no new puppet uh yeah okay vanessa Bourne and xia lee and fight and play and rhea ripley rhea ripley um what are we going to do with Vanessa Bourne? She's been on this roster for four years, maybe three. She should be managing people. Like she, I dug the need... Kona Reeves pairing. I thought that was. I did too. Good. I thought that um, was good. I, I think that she makes sense as a manager type, um, a, a particularly delusional one, or someone who you know uses a little bit of their charm and allure to like get what they want and leverage stuff, like, a bit like Ginny does to a certain extent. Does um, she have I, any main roster play at all? I, I don't know with this gimmick in terms of it's way too. I can actually see sex standards though. and practices yeah. not loving this gimmick. Actually, yeah. I mean, I. I I, wouldn't I know but they've been going. Here. They've been going with the Rusev thing, so maybe I'm overthinking it. But like, I, th- this is a pretty over. This is what Scarlett Bordeaux is going to be, in my opinion. So I mean, that's all. That's going to be the other problem for Vanessa Bourne. Maybe, yeah. maybe actually she pairs well with Scarlett Bordeaux. Maybe she's, they actually make an okay tag team. She's she's the mother in the in the in the house of ill repute. Um, <laughs> it's just it's she's 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 starting to age out of this gimmick a little. Um. No, there's a burlesque show quality yeah. to it that I, I, I also I, I don't know I don't know who the gimmicks for to be honest. I, I, I don't it, either. 
Yeah, that's the problem. It's for Nigel, point. obviously, because Nigel's the one who's Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I was about to say, other than for people in the back, but but I don't know that there's wolf a natural in, audience in the house. Nigel being the wolf in the Tex Avery cartoon, which is a little red riding hood on yeah. the stage. Oh, my God. Uh, ooh, ooh, God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you. My, another arcane reference. Um, I enjoy yeah. the old style animation. I think that's uh, fun. You know, Shayna coming out and giving a, giving Zylee a beating is interesting. I don't. So does Zylee fight, fight, and play now? Or is this just kind of I a think that, that makes more sense. She fights, fight, and play, loses to Shayna, a la, uh, what's his name? Dakota uh, Kai, a la everybody. No, uh, yeah, well, the, the, the other guy from China, um, who was in an angle really similar to this with Killian Dane a couple weeks ago. What's his name? Does Kicks... Martial oh, arts. Uh, Boa? Uh, Boa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, I know. Who's I, in the I'm hospital? Not, <laughs> yeah. I, I think the angle ends up being kind of similar to the angle that they do with Boa. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. can see that. I mean, she's, she's got great kicks and she's really improved, especially in the WWE universe. I'm hoping. Once yeah. Later. Right. And so I, I actually, I think it's a nice little transitional and handsome match for Shayna. Uh, you got to build her up by having her dismantle either fight or play in like kind of swift fashion. And then she kicks Shayna Baszler around for a minute and then gets caught in the Terrafuda clutch and loses in a couple few weeks. My dream now that Lance Storm has officially closed his school and he's heading to be a producer somewhere. I don't know where yet. I'm hoping he becomes a trainer at NXT and I'm hoping he and Zia Lee hook up for some, you know, for like some real tutoring there, because I think, I think Zia Lee is intensely talented and could really go for just some pure wrestling training as opposed to drills from, from uh, Lance storm. I do. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I actually think, Lance could potentially be a fun manager type character on screen as well. I don't want him on he, screen. I, I really don't. I, I think his 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 uh, role as trainer is fine. I'm fine. Well, I mean, that. I think he can do both. I don't. Okay. I don't really see what precludes him from doing both. I I, I I don't see how him occasionally working as a manager, even for someone like Zia Lee, or you know, for people who maybe would benefit from having uh, English as a first language mouthpiece. Uh, I don't see that, why that would preclude him from being a quality trainer as well. I got, I got two managers they're not doing anything with already down there. Yeah, so. okay, that's fair. That's fair. Malcolm <laughs> Bivens is sitting out there and also actually trying to manage Zia Lee and trying to make that angle happen on social media. A, a fair point. A fair point. Then we get to our main event here of Finn Bauer versus Tommaso Ciampa. Finn Bauer gets the win after Adam Cole comes down, runs interference. Now, if I were writing this show on the fly and Bobby Fish had gotten injured earlier in the night, I would have completely changed the finish to this show and had Finn Bauer join the Undisputed Era. Uh, instead, they chose to go with, I think, you know, they want to do a three-way match between Adam Cole, Tommaso Ciampa, and Finn Bauer, and they want Finn Bauer to be some sort of weird tweener character, which does not really jibe with any of the promos that he has been cutting um, since he's been back down in NXT, which have been straight heel promos, I, I if you want him to be a heel, have him be a heel. If you want him to get back together with the club, have him get back together with the club. If you want him to start a new club or join another club like the Undisputed Era, have him do this. This lone wolf Finn Bauer thing, all it does is suck up air from people like Tommaso Ciampa who need that extra bandwidth. I don't mind three-way matches, but I feel like they have to come together a little bit more organically. And I, I, I'm kind of with you here. I'm, I like Finn Balor a lot. I just, 
they have not earned this tweener status with Finn Balor no, at all. No, they haven't. They haven't earned the tweener status. They haven't earned him in the main event picture other than him existing. And part of that's due to Johnny Gargano not being around because he got injured on that uh, 16... Is it 16-19 or 16-12? I'm mixing it up with my uh, years it's, here. It's uh, 19-16. 19-16. Thank you. Uh, too, too, many, too many dates in my head. Um... Yeah, I I just it's one of those things where it feels like he's going to build a faction and we're going to have faction warfare, but we just got through war games, so do we need faction warfare right now? You know, we have, you know, Imperium still out there too, so does everybody does this need to be Vince Russo doing the Nation versus the Biker Gang versus the Bariquas versus all that and you know what? No, but if you told me that Finn Bauer was going to join up with Gallus, I actually wouldn't hate that. But but the other alternative is then Stone Cold Finn Balor, which is what this is feeling like quite a bit. Because it's like, first he was pure heel when he did the turn on Gargano, and now he's turning on heels to baby himself a bit. I just, I'm... You know, I'm the like, whole I, trick, though, with Stone Cold was that he was a heel would sometimes help out the baby face. And he wasn't, it was like weird, because you just like help out the baby face. For, and then he'd like, stun him, yeah. Yeah, and then he'd also stun the baby face, too. But but to do this right, you have to have three sets of two versus all three out there at the same time, in my opinion. I think you need to build the feud between Cole and Balor before you just have him go out there. I mean, I guess this might be the opening for that. Maybe I'm talking myself into it. I, I It's just one of those things where it's like, you know, in ECW, when they were kind of doing this, you had the three different feuds and they all kind of coalesce into that one. Well, we need to do a three-way dance here. Here it feels very, very forced. I think that's the main thing I get from it. And, but it's probably too early to tell whether or not they build on this the next six weeks or not. I think they do, but it's going to be, it's going to be very hard when you get to that part where Cole needs to get revenge on Finn Balor and to get any kind of shine for Finn Balor about given that he took out Johnny Gargano and he attacked Tommaso Ciampa. It's going to be hard. Yeah, I completely agree. Any other things you want to hit before we uh, shimmy out of here? No, not a lot of news coming out. I think uh, as we get into December and especially for those episodes between TLC and the new year, should we decide to go into the new year? Still on the table. Uh, we should probably have a call for support questions. the Patreon kids. Well, we gotta support the Patreon too. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, right. No, but, uh, you know, maybe subs, a call, maybe a engagement call for, is engagement is a good thing. Yes. Maybe a call for at least one, ask us anything type of show to fill time because you know, the holidays are just doing stupid things like, you know, miracle on 34th street matches and, and you know santa sketches and all those other things to pass the time we do one of those maybe we do some flashbacks yeah we, we definitely don't there. do like uh the last week of december so i mean any kind of suggestions you can give us please do um next couple of weeks may be a bit weird too because i'm gonna be traveling for work uh, that that first that second week of December, so we'll see what happens. Um, anyways, you can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. Chris does a variety of other podcasts and edits them all. Here's what they are. 
Yeah, so after the show here, make sure you stay tuned for Edit Talk. That will be on. As I said, I'm going to discuss how to make your jokes funnier by taking clips of your friend's laughter and using them strategically. My other show is Don't Worry About the Government, which you can listen to after the new episode of Edit Talk after this show over at Don'tWorry.tv, also available where fine podcasts can be found on iTunes and on Stitcher. My other other show is called The All in the Family Podcast, available at TheAllInTheFamilyPodcast.com and also on iTunes and on Stitcher. So, on the other side of this music, another episode of Edit Talk. I'd say the best part about editing is looking out and seeing the smile on children's faces. Christopher Novembrino. Oh yes, I think so much has been lost in modern editing. I, I look back to the real pioneers of editing from the 60s and 70s, back when people had to edit with their hands. It's just it's something that's lost in the craft today. Yeah, I'm calling in because you say you've edited hundreds of these shows, but they're all kind of lousy still, so what's up with that? Hey, caller, 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 hey, stop talking for a second. Are you listening up? I'm not the idiot. You're the idiot. I disagree. I think you are. All I did was get one little end of one sound wave wrong, and it didn't line up with the other thing, and then everyone's telling me I'm not any good at this.